Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah, fantastic. So today, inshallah ta'ala, we're continuing Surah Taqweer, ayah number 9, in which Allah ta'ala says, For what sin was she killed? So, uh, of course, this is in reference to the previous ayah about the young uh, girl that was buried alive. And of course, this is in reference to the pagan Arabs who would see, we talked about it last week, I don't want to go over too many details, but basically they would see having a daughter as an something that was a deficiency, something that would be a problem. So Allah Ta'ala is now asking the question, for what sin was she killed? She'll be asked. So this can first and foremost be also pronounced بِأَيِّذَمْ بِنْ قُتِّلَتْ with a shadda, that's another valid pronunciation. And قُتِّلَتْ with a shadda is more emphatic. ذَمْبْ um, is an interesting term because normally we would translate it as sin. There's many different words in the Arabic language for sin. And ithm is also a sin. Ma'asiyah is also a sin. It just so happens to be the case that a dhamb could be a reference to the smallest infraction, right? As opposed to, like in, in English, when you say like an infraction, it could be a small thing, right? As opposed to the term in English, violation. That's something like, usually you think of something bigger, right? Like something worse. But this could be translated as, what was even the smallest infraction? What was the, e the smallest thing that she did wrong? This is obviously a rhetorical question. And the answer is that we, uh, we can't even find the smallest fault, obviously, because it's a child. Um, the uh, if the innocent baby will be questioned, then what about the rest of us? That's one very important question we have to ask. If even the, ba the innocent baby is going to be questioned, then what about me and everything that I have done? And even the anbiya, even the uh, mursaleen, as Allah Ta'ala says, uh, uh, Allah Ta'ala mentions that we will surely question the messengers. So yes, indeed, even the messengers will be asked, even the young child will be asked, everybody will be questioned on that day, subhanAllah. This, this question is very reminiscent, subhanAllah, of which ayah? Here, let me see if anybody can get it. Another ayah in which somebody who is innocent is being asked in front of everybody about a crime that was alleged to that, or uh, uh, what's it called, attributed to that person, even though that person is innocent of that crime. I'm kind of giving away here. Isa alayhi salam, exactly right, mashallah, tabarakallah. Allah says, وَإِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا عِيسَى يَا عِيسَى بْنَ مَرْيَمْ أَأَنْتَ قُلْتَ لِلنَّاسِ اِتَّخِذُونِي وَأُمْنِيَ إِلَاهَيْنِ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ And beware of the day when Allah Ta'ala will say, O Jesus, son of Mary, did you say to the people, take me and my mother as deities besides Allah? He would say, he would say exalted are you, O Allah. Uh, it is not for me to say that uh, to which I have no right. So this is another case of the one who's being questioned is innocent, but the main objective is for the audience to really reflect. So obviously when it comes to the father that killed the child, they know, oh my goodness, what a bad sin that I've done. They're paying attention to this trial because they know that they are the killer. And in this other case, you have that Isa salam clearly did not call to shirk, even in the New Testament. It says that he prayed to God. He said that, you know, by myself I can do nothing. And there's so many, so many quotes uh, uh, that demonstrate that Isa salam was a worshiper of God and that was humbled to God. He prayed to God. He made sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so all these people, and by the way, we're surrounded by these people, who say what? I'm sinful, I'm a bad person, I deserve hellfire, but Jesus went on the cross for me. So that means they're banking everything on one concept, that Isa is going to take all their sins to himself, right? So you can imagine why Allah Ta'ala mentioned this to say, listen, you know what's going to happen on that day? All these people are saying, I know I deserve hell, I know I never practiced the law, I know I made a lot of mistakes, I know I didn't care about rules, but I had faith in Jesus, so that he's my one saving grace. He's that one thing that's going to save me on that day. And Allah Ta'ala says, what? On that day, just like every other worshiper, he's going to be asked, did you claim this? Did you claim to be God? Did you claim that you took the sins of mankind, that they're all not guilty because of you? Did you claim any of this? And you say, yeah, Allah, if you knew it, I, you know, I didn't say any of this. I was a worshiper, yeah, Allah, you know. And so imagine, imagine the pressure of those watching 
millions, billions of people, subhanAllah, can you imagine, on that day. So this is a, what this is called a su'al al-istinkari. Istinkari means a rhetorical question, as in it's a question that is not like literally asking for an answer, the answer is obvious. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned uh, uh, this sin and how it's wrong and, and, and uh, amongst other sins. Uh, four things that are haram, uh, that are forbidden, and three things that are makruh or disliked when the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in uh, Bukhari hadith, إِنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّمَ عَلَيْكُمْ عُقُوقِ الْأُمَّهَاتِ وَمَنِعْ وَهَاتِ وَدْءُ الْبَنَاتِ So Allah Ta'ala has forbidden you from being undutiful to your mothers, to withhold, as in withhold what you should give, and to demand, demand what you don't deserve, and number four, to bury your daughters alive. And then when it comes to when it comes to that which is makruh, he's, uh, the Prophet says what? لكم قيل وقال السؤال وإضاعة المال. That Allah Ta'ala, it is uh, disliked that you gossip, قيل uh, وقال, lots of gossip, that كثرة uh, السؤال, asking uh, unnecessary, irrelevant questions about the deen uh, in religion, and إضاعة المال, to waste your property. So of course, there is no answer to this question, but the answer is obvious. For what sin was she killed? The answer is, I was killed for no sin at all. I was killed for no sin whatsoever. That's obvious. Now, what's something beautiful about children, and I think this is a very beautiful quote from As-Suyuti, he says something so beautiful. He says, SubhanAllah, what a, what, a, what a beautiful quote this is. He says that five qualities that are in children, if they're found in adults towards their Lord, they would make them righteous. If you have these five qualities, basically childlike qualities towards your Lord, what are they? Number one, you notice how children, they don't worry about rizq. They don't worry about, you don't, you don't care about your rizq. A child doesn't think about these things. I'm sorry, could we stop the conversation? Is that all right? You, there's a, there's a, we can talk outside, inshallah. Sorry about that, it's just very distracting. Uh, so, that they don't worry about their provisions. That's what, uh, this, to have a childlike quality. Number two is what? They don't complain about their creator when they're sick. Those of you that work in childcare, which some of you do, mashallah, you, uh, I'm sure you're aware that kids don't ask, like, why am I going through this? Why did God create me with this problem or with this disease or whatever the case is? You find, rather, that they don't do that. Uh, they eat food together. Isn't that so funny? That, uh, what, a, what a beautiful observation. The kids always eat together, right? They don't go and, like, you know, let me grab my food and go to the basement and just eat by myself. I mean, you develop those qualities, unfortunately, when you become an adolescent, but when you're a kid, you eat together. And number four is what? That when they get afraid, then their eyes flow with tears. So this is a quality that, of course, towards your Lord, when you are afraid and when you fear Allah Ta'ala, you should be able to cry before your Lord. And then, of course, This is probably, let's, let's focus on this one. This is the best one, in my opinion, at least. That when they argue, they rush to reconciliation. What a beautiful quality that kids have. That you find that when two kids are fighting, they get crazy, I'm so mad at you, they push each other, they smack each other. Then two seconds later, the kids are playing and they want to play too. Let's just have fun, right? And I would say that as adults, unfortunately, we lose this quality and I'm mad for 10 years later, I'm still mad at the guy because of some comment I can barely remember. <laughs> Who cares, man? Just let it go. SubhanAllah, may Allah protect us. Another very important observation about this is that if you pay attention to the context, you have, uh, well, how many ayat was it? It was um, uh, uh, eight ayat prior to this which are talking about the destruction of the universe. And then one ayah talking about one particular death. Where do you have an ayah that reminds you of this? Is there an ayah that parallels this concept? The whole world being destroyed, one person being destroyed. Come on, that should trigger something. Nobody? Aha, mashallah, tabarakallah. 
Well done, mashallah, tabarakallah. Man qatala nafsan bi ghayri nafsin aw fasadin fil ardi fakannama qatala nas jami'an. That Allah Ta'ala says, whoever kills an individual, unless it's for killing another person, as in for murder, or for corruption in the land, it is as if he has killed all of mankind. So you have this paralleling of these two ideas that in this surah, the whole universe is falling apart and then Allah zooms in on one individual, right? Why was this child killed? And in this ayah, same situation. If you kill one person innocent, that's like killing all of mankind. So subhanAllah, you, this parallel, why is that the case? I've heard two interpretations that I think are both quite fascinating. One possibility is that, and I thought this was really beautiful. I mean, think about this. Every human being has their own subjective perspective of Earth, right? My experience of planet Earth and creation is not the same as yours, is not the same as his, is not the same as et cetera, et cetera, right? We all have a different experience of the world. So when you kill an individual who's innocent, what are you doing? You're deleting that version of reality, right? You're deleting their subjective experience. And it's not the same as anybody else's. Isn't that a beautiful concept? So you could see how, by killing one person, you're killing a reality. You guys get the point? Isn't that kind of, I found that very deep. I don't know if you guys are, uh, <laughs> deep, yes? Alhamdulillah. Another perspective that I thought was very straightforward and very simple is that all of humanity came from one person, Adam salam, And nobody knows what the potential of any of us are. Theoretically, it could be the case that humanity in the next, I don't know how many years, is wiped out and the only bloodline that survives is either mine or yours or his or the other, right? And you don't know how long Earth will last. It could be the next 10,000 years, it could be the next million years, you don't know. So the fact of the matter is, any one individual has the potential of what? Mankind. You guys get the point there? So therefore, you kill one person, potentially that person could have been Planets full, or a planet full of people, right? Or theoretically, if they colonize other planets, whatever. We're not going to get into all that. But you get my point, that the numbers-wise, you just killed one person, you don't know what their potential could have been in terms of how many people would have come from that person. So killing one person is like what? Killing all of mankind. See these two, pers two perspectives? I personally find them quite fascinating. Wallah I'm going to now talk about something a little uncomfortable, but alhamdulillah, it's not Jum'ah, and so hopefully nobody will get mad at me, inshallah <laughs> I know that uh, with Jum'ah, I try to stay away from these things. Like, I gave a khutbah on this topic that was sort of similar to it, about like jinn and so forth, uh, and I avoided this point. But anyway, I'll mention it now, because inshallah, hopefully it's okay. <laughs> um, the, the, to the topic of child sacrifice, very uncomfortable topic, very uncomfortable topic, but still, it is a reality that uh, child sacrifices have taken place throughout uh, human history. Uh, we know of the Aztecs, we know of the Incas, we know of the Mayans. They used to throw their kids into like volcanoes and so forth. We know that the Bible talks about it in Jeremiah t uh, 32, 35. Mentions they built high places for Baal in the, in, or Baal in the valley of Ben-Hinnon to sacrifice their sons and daughters to Molech. This is a deity that they would sacrifice their children to. And also it mentions in Leviticus 20, uh, verse 2, it says, Say to the Israelites, any Israelite or any foreigner residing in Israel who sacrifices any of his children to Molech is to be put to death. The members of the community are to stone him. So the question is, why is it that human sacrifice was something popular throughout history? Is it just a coincidence that people would do stuff like this? I don't think so. Uh, uh, there must have been some sort of benefit. And we know that Satanists, and I read a book about this called Demonic Foes, and it talks about, uh, uh, you know, possession and, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's called demonology or whatever the term is. But yeah, it talks about this, this topic uh, at length and it talks about how this stuff is alive and well today, unfortunately, uh, specifically when it comes to Satanist, uh, like the Church of Satan is a real church, by the way, and they do actually have members and they do actually have like gatherings and so forth and they will have, and I apologize if this is offensive to, this is, this is offensive, so brace yourselves. But anyway, they do have, let's say, uh, uh, like a, an orgy and then when the women become impregnated, they will abort those fetuses and use them in, in rituals. 
So I know that's the most disgusting thing you've probably ever heard. I apologize, but this stuff actually happens here in the United States, uh, and they gain some sort of power out of it. And uh, anyway, this book went into detail about certain people who want to get out and who reported, uh, you know, uh, the different powers that they received and the different abilities that they got from doing this type of stuff. And you can imagine, obviously, Shaitan is Adu Mubin. He is your uh, most clear enemy. He hates you the most. He hates Adam and Ibn Adam. So what is he going to want the most? For you to do shirk, number one, and then number two, to kill children. What is worse than killing an innocent child, subhanAllah. Nowadays, I do believe that we do have certain satanic beliefs that are right in line with uh, the sacrifice of children, and it's right in front of our eyes, right under our noses, and we see it every day. Uh, I recently saw um, a documentary talking about this kid who, um, and this is not this isolated incident, this happens every day, unfortunately, these days, where a young kid was brainwashed and taught over and over again, you're not really a boy, you're really a girl, or you're not really a girl, you're really a boy, and so slowly but surely this, yeah, okay, okay, and then they're given uh, hormones, they're given uh, surgeries that chop off different body parts and then they're tried, to, people try to reformulate those body parts to make them like the opposite gender. I'm not going to go into too much detail, I think everybody gets where I'm going with this. You know, they try, and then these kids end up having all sorts of uh, um, infections, all sorts of problems, depression, often suicide, and so you are sacrificing this child for this ideology, for your belief system, I would call it your deity, uh, and uh, it's disgusting. It's, it was so sad to watch this young kid who was like, will I ever be able to, in, to actually enjoy intimacy? Will this ever work? You know, and they're like, uh, we're trying to figure it out because they don't know what they're doing. They're freestyling. They're just, you know, it's, 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 there's, no, there's no science behind this. They're just a bunch of doctors making money and, 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 you know, making it up as they go along. Like, oh, how do you reconstruct, how do you remove a male organ and then reconstruct it to a female organ? There's no blueprint for this stuff. They're freestyling and they're practicing on kids and these kids end up completely messed up. So this is exactly what Shaitan promised when Shaitan said, And I will certainly command them so they will undoubtedly change the creation of Allah. This is Shaitan's promise as Allah Ta'ala mentioned in Surah uh, Nisa, ayah number 119. I guarantee, I promise you, they will not be happy with themselves. I will keep pestering them and keep putting in their, brain, in their brains, you're not good the way you are. You're not enough. You need either the tattoo or the piercing or the gauging out or you need to change cut body parts, you need to change body parts. You're never good the way you are. You need to constantly transform Allah's creation. This is unfortunately uh, part of the disgusting culture that we're in that I do believe is very much geared towards child sacrifice. And also, this, just as a side point, this concept of non-binary, right? Allah Ta'ala made us in binaries, right? Allah Ta'ala says, Subhanallah, khalaq al-azwaja kullaha. Exalted is he who created everything in pairs. And by the way, you know what surah and ayah this is? 36, 36. <laughs> Mashallah. Quite beautiful. Surah Yasin, ayah number 36. So even the numbers are nicely paired. And same thing with the uh, surah uh, when Allah Ta'ala says what? وَمِن كُلِّ شَيْءٍ خَلَقْنَا زَوْجَيْنَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ And of all things, we created two mates. Do you know what surah and ayah this is? <laughs> 51, 49. I, thought, I thought they're just so beautifully put together. You know, you think 50, 50, right? And then one up, one down. 51, 49. So surah that yet, ayah number 49. So even the numbers are beautiful when Allah Ta'ala mentions, you know, I put them in pairs. I make things in pairs, you know? And so, uh, subhanAllah, for somebody to say, I'm non-binary, really what they're saying is, I am what? Al-Witr. I'm unique. Qul huwa ahad. I'm one and unique. No, I'm sorry. Allah Ta'ala created you, male, female. Right? Allah Ta'ala created you to need the opposite gender. You know, that's how we, we grow up and we get married and this is how we are supposed to be designed. And for you to say, no, 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 I'm unique. I'm like nothing else. I'm non-binary. Allah Ta'ala is technically in that sense, you know, there, he has no pairing. He has no kufu. He has no pairing. He has no, you know, opposite. 
or whatever term you want to use. So this is, subhanAllah, uh, a step in the direction of we are divine, we can make ourselves whatever we want to be, there's no limits, you know, there's no such thing as a fitra or a nature, I can make myself in my own whatever image I desire. A'udhu billah, these are all concepts that are trying to reject the concept that we have some sort of a purpose or design or some sort of a uh, teleology, some sort of right way of being or made for a purpose. Anyway. Then, of course, we know that Allah Ta'ala says that we should not kill our children out of fear of poverty. That and do not kill your children for fear of poverty. We provide for them and for you. We know that Abu Hurairah, he mentioned, uh, this is a quote from him himself, not from the Prophet, but Abu Hurairah himself saying uh, that from amongst the Ashrat al Sa'ah, from amongst the signs of the hour, uh, that a woman will be taken and her stomach will be opened, ripped open, and then what is in the womb will be taken out and discarded for fear of giving birth. So subhanAllah, this is from the signs of Judgment Day, and this is something that, unfortunately, we see plenty of it today. Uh, when it comes to the Sahabi who killed his daughter, many people think that this is a narration about Umar ibn al-Khattab, but it's not. There's nothing authentic saying this is Umar. However, uh, there is the narration, أَنَّ رَجُلًا أَتَى النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ فَقَالَ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِنَّا كُنَّا أَهْلُ الْجَهْلِيَةِ وَعِبَادَةِ أَوْثَانٍ وَكُنَّا نَقْتُلُ الْأَوْلَادِ وَكَانَتْ عِنْدِي إِبْنَةٌ لِي that the man comes and says, Oh, Messenger of Allah, we were used to be in the days of ignorance, worshipping idols, and we used to kill our children. I had a daughter, and when, subhanAllah, it's very sad. He says, I had a daughter, That I had a daughter, and she used to respond to my call, and she'd respond happily when I called her. He said that one day she, you know, I used to call her, she used to come excitingly, willingly, right? And so one day I called her and she followed me to a well that belonged to my people that wasn't very far, not very, very far from here. So I took her by the hand and I threw her in the well. And the last words that I heard from her was, Oh father, oh father, or I'm sure she was only old enough to walk and say, Baba, Baba, right? SubhanAllah, maybe, what, one year, one and a half, something like this? SubhanAllah, maybe two. Anyway, the Prophet he began to weep. So until the tears were falling from his eyes. That a man from the people sitting around, they said, You have grieved the Prophet, what's wrong with you? How dare you? Uh, that you grieve the Prophet. And then, so the Prophet said, Kuffa, so then the Prophet said, when the guy said, hey, stop, stop, you're, you're, you're making the Prophet sad, he said, leave him alone. He's asking about what grieves him. So the Prophet recognized that this man was so remorseful for what he did. He said, don't, don't get mad at him. Let him talk about, let him get it off his chest like it's like it's therapeutic, subhanAllah, like what happened? So then the Prophet said, continue your story, go ahead. And he returned to his story, and the Prophet wept so much that his beard became wet. And then he said to the man, Allah has laid down or dropped what you did in Jahiliyyah, so make a fresh start. So subhanAllah, very, very sad uh, narration regarding 
the killing of children. And this is, I mean, again, I feel like this is taking place nowadays. There's, uh, on the other hand, there is the beauty of saving children. This is a weak hadith, but still very interesting. قَدِمْتُ عَلَى رَسُولَ اللَّهِ that I came to the Prophet and I embraced Islam and he taught me some verses of the Quran. He said, I used to do certain deeds in Jahiliyyah. Do I have any ajr for it? So this is a positive story, inshallah. He said, I saved the lives of 360 young girls. And I uh, gave two female camels and a male camel for each one to ransom their lives. Do I have any reward for that? This was back in Jahiliyyah. He's wondering, I was a disbeliever. Do I still have any reward? So the Prophet says what? He said, that was from the gate of goodness and there is a reward for you since Allah has blessed you with Islam. So in other words, it seems to be that the Prophet is saying what? That because of your goodness, Allah Ta'ala guided you and pushed you. And this we, we see it often that people that are good people, well-natured, and they have that goodness inside of them, they, Allah Ta'ala gives them steps towards Islam. This is a weak report, but still uh, an interesting one as well. The Prophet also said another weaker report, but still interesting. Should I not tell you about the best charity? Ibnatuka. Uh, that a daughter who comes back to you and has no other breadwinner apart from you. It's an Ibn Majah, it's a weak hadith, but uh, Allah Alam, perhaps there is some truth to this that, uh, you know, obviously, I, I believe, Allah Alam, that this could be uh, encouragement to stay away from prostitution. You could imagine a woman has children and then the man passes away, especially back then, there's no means to take care of her. And then so, what else means does she have? This, these things often happen where a person gets pushed towards that. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, excuse me, the Prophet is saying what? Take her back and this is the best thing that you could do. We know there are so many ahadith about the blessing of raising daughters, whether it be three or two. The Prophet says, مَنْ كَانَ لَهُ ثَلَاثُ بَنَاتٍ فَصَبَرَ عَلَيْهِنَّ وَأَطْعَمَهُنَّ وَسَقَاهُنَّ وَكَسَاهُنَّ مِنْ جِدَتِهِ كُنَّ لَهُ حِجَابًا مِنَ النَّارِ يَمَ الْقِيَامَةِ That whoever has, this is in uh, Ibn Majah, Sahih hadith. Whoever has three daughters and is patient towards them, feeds them, gives them to drink, and clothes them from his wealth, they will be a shield for him of the fire on the Day of Judgment. Also, the Prophet says in Sahih Muslim, مَنْ عَالَ جَارِيَتَيْنْ حَتَّى تَبْلُغَا جَاءَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَنَا وَهُوَ وَضَمَّ أَصَابِعَهُ He who brought up two girls properly till they grew up, and uh, he and I would come together like this on Judgment Day. And he interlocked his, he put his two fingers together to show how clear they are. Final point, inshallah ta'ala, I don't want to get too long. The final point I'd like to talk about is the question of awladul mushrikeen. This is a famous question amongst fuqaha. Awladul mushrikeen, what happens to the children of the polytheist when they die? The consensus, for sure, is that when it comes to Muslims' children, they go straight to paradise if they died before puberty. No question about it. If, you have, if a person has a child and that child dies before puberty, if, from a believing family, consensus, that child is in paradise, inshallah ta'ala. However, scholars have debated whether the children of the mushrikeen who die before puberty go to paradise or hellfire. But I would have to say that Ibn Abbas, he uses very good evidence. This ayah, he uses this ayah as evidence. Clearly Allah Ta'ala is asking a rhetorical question. For what sin was this child killed? In other words, what? No sin. So how then would Allah Ta'ala uh, uh, then say, after saying, what did she do wrong? And the answer is clearly nothing. It would be very hard to argue that this child would be sent to the fire after Allah Ta'ala absolved her of any guilt whatsoever. So I hope that's clear. I personally would say that that's pretty rock uh, solid evidence and furthermore the Prophet said what? That the pen is lifted from the minor, so it's a child, 
the insane person and the person who was asleep. Obviously, you're not guilty if you've lost your mind, if you're asleep, you, whatever you're doing, moving in your sleep, you're not guilty because you didn't have any consciousness. And of course, this ayah moves beautifully into the next ayah where Allah Ta'ala is mentioning, you know, for what sin was she killed? Every injustice will be on trial and the testimony of the person who was wronged will go in the oppressor's book of deeds as is suggested by the next verse where Allah says, وَإِذَا nushirat." So we'll continue with that ayah, inshallah Ta'ala, next week.